Blog Talk Radio. July 26, 2013 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard. This is where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy, which is the philosophy behind the uniquely American sense of life, the sense of life of those who believe we have a life, right, excuse me, a right to life, liberty, and most importantly, the pursuit of your own individual happiness. The goal of this show, as I've discussed many times, is to preserve and revive the American sense of life and eventually to help people hold the philosophy behind it explicitly. Uh, today, what we're going to talk about, actually, I should introduce myself first, huh? I, I'm changing up my introduction and I'm throwing myself off. I am your host, Amy Peekoff, and joining me in the studio in just a moment or two will be cartoonist Bosch Faustin. Today, I decided that we would start by taking some snapshots of various things, good and bad, in the culture, because I'm getting kind of tired of talking about news and politics, and some of the stories this week have gotten me down a bit. In particular, I was pretty upset about Nancy Pelosi helping to push through, uh, or actually, I guess, fight, yeah, fight, defeat the amendment that was going to um, get rid of the NSA surveillance program on our phone calls. So um, I just I just figured let's do some cultural stuff first. Then we're going to talk about some of the top stories. We will talk about Pelosi. We'll talk about Holder going after voting rights in Texas, the latest on Snowden, a little bit about Obama, etc. If you want to check out program notes for today's show, which include links, I've been doing this for the past few weeks, go to my blog, at don'tletitgo.com, you'll see the top post for right now is the show that we're on today, and you'll see the program notes with all the links, and you can follow along with us and stuff. If you want to talk about anything with me that we are discussing, you can call in 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. You might even have an idea of your own cultural snapshot that you want to share with me and with the listeners, including, you know, call in and tell me what it is and some idea of what you actually think it means about the culture, because we're interested to see about that. But I have quite a list. As I said, if you go over to don'tletitgo.com, you can see the list of all the different things. I'm starting out with something that you may have heard before, and that is about the band Pink Martini. And this is interesting because I finally did get to meet Tammy Bruce in person. Many of you know that I did, I guess I was seven, guest host appearances for Tammy Bruce's show. And I had not met her in person yet until this past Sunday. She invited me to go along with her and a couple friends to the Pink Martini concert at the Hollywood Bowl. So I was introduced. Actually, I've heard a little bit of Pink Martini before and I'm, and probably on Tammy's show, but then I actually got to hear a whole night of Pink Martini in person, and I thought it was really delightful and fun. They are talented. They are funny. 
they have music of all different uh, genres. I mean, I, I, I think it's, you know, it's in the tradition of the good old standards kind of band, uh, but they have some originals, and I, some of the originals are really funny. There's a an original of theirs called Hey Eugene, which is basically a, a almost naturalistic sounding story about she meets this guy at a party and everything that happened and she's basically saying Eugene why didn't you call me you jerk and it's it was exceedingly funny very well done I really enjoyed it but there's I mean all kinds of interesting stuff so go check it out pinkmartini.com the album that is going to be released in September is actually called Get Happy uh, so I, I like this, and it was. It was a very benevolent evening. In fact, it was interesting because I was walking. I got there pretty early. You know, if you know L.A. traffic, if you're coming from anywhere far from the Hollywood Bowl, you've got to start early uh, if you want to get there on time. So I got there way too early, and I'm I'm walking, and I'm actually passing the security guys. So the manager of the security at the Hollywood Bowl is, like, briefing all the people. And they're saying, basically, enjoy the audience tonight because the audience tonight is basically easy from the standpoint of security. And and I could see how that was because the music was so benevolent. Everybody there was having a good time. I, I would assume that this type of band would attract an audience that would not uh, give you any security concerns. You know, there's no call for killing cops and stuff like that in, in Pink Martini. Now, I'm wondering if anybody in the chat room over at Blog Talk Radio, have you heard of Pink Martini people? Oh, Ed in the chat room says, we all care about Adam Baldwin. Yeah, I, uh, Adam Baldwin, who was one of the actors in Firefly, and he was also in My Bodyguard. He also did a voice of Superman for a cartoon. What else, Bosh? I'm missing some. He was in Chuck. TV show, which I haven't seen, but Chuck. You haven't seen Chuck? Okay. Um, so he is an actor who is also very, very vocal on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Check out Adam Baldwin on Twitter because he engages all kinds of people in debates, probably in the spirit of Andrew Breitbart, I would yeah. say, because Breitbart used to be quite combative on, on Twitter. But he was one of the, the four in the box that we were at. And you can actually see the photos. You go to my Facebook page, and they're there. There's some photos out on Twitter, both in my feed and Tammy Bruce's feed of uh, photos from that evening. But uh, Ed was interested to hear about Adam Baldwin. Uh, and now Michael in the chat room is saying that, Bosch, you should check out Chuck, the TV show you did. A friend of mine told me to, to watch it. I, I, guess I, I guess I have to. Okay, so put it on the list of things to watch. Uh, but, yeah, Adam Baldwin. I, mean, I don't know. Ed wants to hear about it. Adam Baldwin, I didn't talk to him a ton. We talked politics a little bit. He seems intelligent, benevolent. He brought a nice bottle of champagne and shared it with us, which I was very grateful for. Um, he also when when he's on when he's on Twitter sometimes he uh, tags me because uh, Muslims come up to him and they question his position about uh, jihad and stuff so he basically forwards it to me and I take them on uh, with one or two tweets and that's about it. So would you say you're say. you're part of the Adam Baldwin army? I guess I'm I'm the go-to guy to knock out these guys who bug him about Islam because uh, he called me a quote-unquote expert which I'm not but that's funny. Ah, oh, so that's uh, that's pretty cool. But yeah, I definitely enjoyed getting to go hang out with them and meeting Tammy in person. Finally, that was good to do. And I mean, what a wonderful occasion! So thanks to Tammy Bruce for inviting me. I really had a great time. 
And uh, so that was Pink Martini. Let me go back and, and see what else we have here on our wonderful agenda. If you go to don'tletitgo.com and see the various links, the next thing to talk about is... You ready for this, Bosch? The Lincoln Moral with Joe Carey? No, no, we're not there yet. We're still on good stuff. We're going to try to stick with some happy stuff first. And then we'll just dive in. So a little bit of spiritual fuel and then dive in here. Sprinkles is going to have bacon cupcakes. Bacon. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I think we had a bacon shake, didn't we? Like a maple bacon shake with some chunks of bacon in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a, A bacon brownie, I think we had. Yeah, bacon cupcakes. Bacon cupcakes. With so, a cute little pink pig. Yeah, it's adorable. Like candy piece or whatever on the top Maple of it is decoration. Maple bacon, wow. Yeah, it's it's pretty, pretty nuts. I uh, Kudos to Sprinkles for, I mean, at first I thought maybe it was a joke. Because right. wasn't there the, on April Fool's Day, they put out like bacon toothpaste or something. something. And, uh, bacon cologne, I think also. <laughs> <laughs> no joke, yeah. I'm not sure if it's a joke, though. I think it's serious. It's bacon <laughs> cologne? I think so. The commercial is hilarious. I mean, uh, try, try to find it online. It's really funny. Was it Old Spice bacon or something? I, don't I think it was some joke. I'm not sure. Anyway, the bacon cupcakes are for real. I believe that they are debuting at Sprinkles Cupcake Stores on September 22nd. I don't know. Something like that. And. One will have to be consumed. I was saying that, you know, normally I try to eat paleo-ish. I say ish because it can be a challenge at times just if you're busy to get that good food into you. But I think that these should be given an honorary paleo designation simply because it includes the ultimate of paleo food, which is, of course, bacon. Right, and we should drop them over the Middle East with airplanes to shake their faith. Because once they have it, it's like, wait a minute, we can't have this. Why? You know, you know, they would question their faith. Our munitions, our bombs are very, yeah. very expensive. But I almost think that it would be more expensive to dump sprinkles, bacon, cupcakes. Their cupcakes true. are not cheap, and they call them cupcakes. But really, what they are? They're, well, uh, have you seen a sprinkles cupcake before? I guess I don't know. I don't. I, think, I don't think, I think you have the one. The one that you showed me, yeah, with the pink thing. Well, I showed you a picture, yeah, exactly. but have you seen one in person? I don't think so. I probably ate one, but without you know before. These are. Huge. Okay. Are they like mini cakes? They're like bigger than a Starbucks muffin, I think. Okay. Wow. I think. I I don't know. If I recall, it's been a long time. Okay. So hold on a second. The the brand, the the name of the company is called Sprinkles. Yeah, and they have little stores, and so there actually has to be a pilgrimage out to a Sprinkles cupcake store in order to honor the bacon cupcake. We have to go. Yes. Yes. Okay. Good. Yes. Let's make a date. Maybe we'll have to do, you know, like a SoundCloud dispatch from the Sprinkles store. Yeah, and, and yeah. make the sound effects as we eat them and <laughs> how we, you know, react to them. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think it's going to be good. And then we'll drop off the leftovers at a local mosque and see, you know, what happens. I mean. Right, exactly. Mm. So... That is bacon cupcakes. I think the fact that Sprinkles is making bacon cupcakes and actually is getting some help for it. Now, I didn't really? I I did not scan. You know, the link that I have at dontletitgo.com is a link to Sprinkles, their own page on Facebook, their post about the debut of the bacon hmm. flavor cupcake. And it's only a limited time. I think it's you like 6 days or something. In terms of cultural snapshot, I 
I see more commercials with pigs in them. I see little clips online. More and more. I, I don't think I'm seeing things. I think it's actually, it, it seems like there's more. And that's good. In this climate of Islam meets peace and, you know, every, uh, pork meals, pig meals are getting off of menus in certain ways, like, like, like in England. Right. It seems like in America, it's in your face more. Bacon is is in your face more. People talking about bacon, tweeting about bacon, Facebooking. Um, I, no. think, I think there's something to it. I think there's something to it. I think there's resistance. Like, wait a minute. You're not going to pretend that we're going to stop eating this, these type of things I mean, because of having respect for another culture. No. It just no. doesn't make sense. No. Now, I am not seeing in the comment thread anything from... Muslims or whatever. Well, they stay um, clear. I mean, it's you know, but but oh god, it's like uh, a cross with a vampire. I mean, bacon. no, no, they're, oh. they're, they their bigotry is overwhelming. But I mean. yeah, there is some bigotry here. God, okay. look, some people are really disgusting. Uh, yeah, no, I I have liked it actually. People, I urge you, this is actually a call to action that you go over to that link that I have at don'tletitgo.com. Get onto the Facebook sprinkles cupcakes you know, page, the place where they announced this. Actually, it's September 6th. Oh, I'm so glad I came here. If I steered you wrong and you came after they were all gone to the sprinkler store, I would feel horrible. But it's September 6th to 22nd, and their description is, Bacon, need we say more? Harnessing bacon's unique umami taste. I guess that's some, you (laughs) know, where they have the weird Japanese flavor of ice cream, you know, like... Meat. Meat ice cream. Yeah, exactly, meat ice cream. (laughs) Sprinkle serves up our first savory cupcake, Thick, smoky bacon is baked to a crisp and woven into our Madagascar bourbon vanilla cake, topped with a rich buttery maple cream cheese frosting. Mm. You will be convinced that everything tastes better with maple bacon. I'm looking forward to trying it, but there are a number of people on this thread who are saying it's disgusting. Um, Effing barf. Effing barf, says one person. One person says, pigs being slaughtered for bacon have some of the worst living conditions in the entire meat production his- industry. I hope you are using free-range, ethically raised pigs. I stay up at night thinking about that, you know, how our pigs are living. I, mean, I really do. I mean, I'm sure that the ethically raised pigs probably taste better, too. But then, I believe uh, it's bad business otherwise. I mean, the people stay... They one one person has the cutest little pig emoticon I have ever seen. And they can put it on there, huh? Yeah, and it's a pig snout and a pig emoticon. That's, I need to copy these and see if I can get them good. onto my computer. Oh, no, it's not letting me copy them. I feel terrible. But anyway, she says, uh, mm, did someone say bacon? So definitely go over there and put your two cents in and support the culture the, yes. that uh, worships bacon because it is yummy. It's full of animal can fat. You imagine a culture that it, you know avoided bacon. They'll probably go crazy and they'll kill. And, oh, actually, sorry. <laughs> I had to say that. Oh, I mean, there is one thing I would say. Avoid cured bacon. There's the nitrates issue. So you don't want to over-consume the cured bacon. We, you know, we would kill for bacon. They would you know, kill for anyone who eats bacon. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> you can taste the ethics you are, you are, bacon. You are truly bad. So, yeah, that's September 6th through 22nd yes. at Sprinkles. a Sprinkles store. So here we go. This was the... A snapshot that occurred to me earlier this week as I was reviewing the top news stories in United States and Britain this week. And actually, you know, the top news story in Britain, of course, was one of the top news stories here and vice versa, apparently. But, but that day, that day in particular. Yeah, there was there was one particular day where you could see a juxtaposition of two photos. One of Kate Middleton, right, Kate and William. 
Prince William, with their newborn infant, who I guess is now called George, to the delight of a bunch of now rich bookies. Uh, But then the second photo is a press conference at which Anthony Weiner was there. Apparently he drugged to the press conference pretty unwillingly his wife, Huma. I mean, she looks very unhappy to be there. Oh, well, she looks unhappy in general. Yeah, But, but not happy to be there that all of this has come out. So... You know, the thought occurred to me, and this is completely out of context, and this is why I put, and I had Bosch put in the graphic itself, embedded in the graphic itself. This is an out-of-context snapshot that could make you doubt the American Revolution. Obviously, I don't doubt the American Revolution. It should be the case that the country that was founded on the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that we should have... We should have the sense of life that you see in Kate and William. They're happy. They have a baby. Their life is 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 ahead of them. This guy, separated from his wife, is like they're you know they're they're even closer, Kate and William, and the, the, those two aren't. And he looks so. I mean, how would you say like a skin tight, really nervous, like he's about to be attacked. I mean, he's very defensive, and yeah. she just can't look happy. I mean, even when she smiles. And uh, he had to come out, I guess, because get ahead of the of the news that again he went out there and you know did these scandalous things. I mean, uh, Robert NYC says there's another future King George. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I'm glad they called him uh, George because uh, the most popular name in England. You know what it is? What? Muhammad. Oh. The most popular name in England is Muhammad. So at least they didn't do that. I mean, Charles probably. Fought for that, you know. Prince Charles probably, please, please name him, name name him Muhammad, but they said no. Yeah, George is way better. He's than pro him. Islam, uh, uh, <laughs> Prince Charles. He is. I... Do, do I keep shoehorning Islam into this? Uh... You do. Okay. You do. So you know, when I took look at this, and you just look at here's America, the top story that we are talking about. Now, it is true, we're disgusted by it and appropriately, et cetera, et cetera, is the Wiener story. But imagine that this guy thinks he can run for mayor of... The greatest city. The greatest city. in the world. Basically in the world, although I don't know where it it stands now exactly. But, I mean, how how can he be running? How can he be running? A friend of mine on Facebook said that Mark Levin used to call him uh, Anthony's Wiener. (laughs) <laughs> you know, they made a good observation on Red Eye, which was that if this technology didn't exist, and you know what is done, you know, you learn from a, reading just a little bit of the story that his modus operandi was some admirer of his, you know, some young girl who was just taken aback or, you know, just kind of wooed by his politics oh. and all of his ambitiousness and great accomplishments in the liberal what cause, right? Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, but you know, some some young girl who was starry eyed yeah. and, and impressed with him would write him through Facebook and then he would start an exchange and, and then it would quickly current. descend yeah. into something sexual. And the latest I heard is that there were maybe and this is after remember this newest story is after he resigned in disgrace from congress and he was supposedly all contrite and he was starting therapy and all this all this was after that time and the latest that you hear out of his mouth is that there's a few and then when he was pressed to say what a few means a few in his mind means six to ten yes yes 
Six to yes. ten different girls like the one that you've just heard about this week. Yep. So if the one that you heard about this week wasn't disgusting enough, you know, where he wants to create the bunker, the sex bunker right, in Chicago right. where they're going to go have sex and he loves her and blah, blah, blah. Imagine six to ten of those similar things. So the, the observation that they made on Red Eye was that if this technology, this social media didn't exist, that Wiener would probably be a flasher. Your garden variety flasher right. just flashing his junk out in the right. middle of a public park or something right. at young girls. Um, I said, uh, I said when when I read the headline uh, quote, Wiener hints more salacious material could serve as unquote. I I think he's warning about things that haven't happened yet. You know what I mean? He's like, <laughs> I know I'm going to do this again, but you know, I mean, just uh, I'll I'll try to stop. You know? I mean, he could still be doing it now. Of course, of course, well, he is. Look at him. Oh, Robert points out that he said, definitely it wasn't a couple of dozen. I don't know about what you mean a few. I mean, in my mind, Plus, a I'm, few is three, four, maybe five. I guess he has to go virtual in a sense because he's very ugly. You know, so his women don't really see him. So it's like, you know what I mean? They they think it's some former congressman. He wants to be mayor. You know, that to them might be the appeal because you look at him. He's really ugly. I mean, it really is. I have Gruesome. no idea. And I haven't looked at any of the pictures because I don't want to be grossed out. So... Ugh. I ended up kind of inadvertently seeing the Geraldo pic oh, as it, would dis- it was, it was on Red Eye. Yeah, up. it was displayed on TV because on Red Eye. What happened? They were talking about Bigfoot, and then they said, "Well, here's the actual picture of Bigfoot." So, so, so they showed the Geraldo picture <laughs> of the selfie picture. Very bad, very bad. But anyway, you take this snapshot, right, and you say Britain looks so much better. I mean, the, just, the, just by the simple the, snapshot, the, the, of course. The, yeah, the, the sense of life behind the top story in Britain this week was way better than the sense <laughs> of life behind the story in the United States this but week. But also the overkill on the right-wing media uh, of this story, honestly. I mean, I, th- I think Breitbart had every single story there. It was really overkill. I know they're trying to compensate for the leftist media, but still, the leftist media was covering it, and they, are, and they have been covering it. So that was overkill. Yeah, they, yeah. I'm I'm actually done talking about it now, so I think we'll we'll get off there. Now I do see that we have a phone call here. Yeah. If if you do call into the show and you do want to make a que- you know, ask a question, make a comment, etc., click the little icon or push whatever button it is that the menu tells you to do. Otherwise, I about, take a phone call as someone who just okay. wants to to listen. Go ahead. Uh, sorry about just one thing. Uh, I think one aspect about this Wiener story to me, uh, you know, having read uh, Andrew McCarthy's work and. Huma Abedin, who is his wife, uh, she married a Jewish American. She's uh, part of the Muslim Brotherhood. Her her family's in the Muslim Brotherhood. She's she's a Saudi. She's a devout Muslim. Why would she do that? Why why would she marry this American Jew? Why? Because she probably assumed he had the ambition to become mayor slash president, get more power. Who knows? And for her to continue staying with him, it doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't. I think maybe the Muslim brother has a reminder. Well, you know, the reason why I married him is the reason why you're going to stay with him. So, anyway, that's my that's my two cents. But um, she is a committed Muslim ever since college. You know, she was actually writing for publications that were linked with Al Qaeda, with Muslim Brotherhood, literally, with members of those groups that actually went and killed people. And people can read all about this. Yeah, at- Andrew C. McCarthy and National Review. He has a, a number of pieces on it, and there's even one I think from two, two from two days ago. And his thing is the Huma unmentionables, because everyone can talk about this stuff, but no one mentions the fact that this woman is up to her, you know, waist involved with this stuff. 
And you know she, she's in bed with uh, Hillary Clinton as well. What I, what I do know is there is no possible explanation for why she stays with him, as far as no. I can tell. Some people think that she stayed with him long enough now, such that if she divorced him, she could get the sympathy vote. And then maybe run herself or who knows what. Right. In some capacity. Right. Oh man. Yeah. So let's let's just, Ugliness. let's just let's just hope that doesn't happen. So let's go ahead and go back to our awesome list here. Uh, here's here's another bad one that we got to look at before we get into some good stuff. Vandalism of the Lincoln Memorial. No. And this is just a story that I got off of Fox News. Green paint splattered on Lincoln Memorial. Statue temporarily closed until cleanup is done. That was published today, July 26th. It says the U.S. Park Police in Washington say the Lincoln Memorial is temporarily closed after someone splattered green paint on the statue and the floor. The apparent vandalism was discovered early Friday morning by an officer on patrol. Police say the memorial on the National Mall will be closed until the Park Service can finish cleaning it up. It's expected to happen this morning, so maybe it's already going to be open soon. I think when people descend to the level of splashing paint on the Lincoln Memorial... Who, who in this country thinks Lincoln is a bad person? Well, you know, I, I, it could be some uh, racists out there uh, trying to push something. Say, well, the man who saved slaves was, you know, had a splash with green stuff. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't I don't know who. Either way, racist. I'm, I'm talking black or white or whatever, just to start something. It's possible. And uh, uh, Jim Carrey tweeted it. So he says, people are getting uh, tired of corporate tyranny disguised as democracy. So I tweeted back to him. I said, I, I think people are getting tired of you. Uh, that's just su- such a stupid take, a dumb take. You can always count on Jim Carrey to have the off-the-cuff, stupid, yeah. lame take on something. I mean, corporate? Yeah, corporate. It doesn't make sense, but he doesn't make sense. And look at his career now. He's done. He's, I, I, he's unfunny. I don't, I don't even know that corporations were a big factor in the time of Lincoln, that it really didn't start I, I don't think he's got a grasp of history at all well, he doesn't he, he's in the here and now and I think his movies are tanking so he's like wait a minute it must be a corporate greed why my movies are tanking no it's you you stink yeah let's go on to something I think which is a little bit more positive about the culture and this is a story that Bosch sent to me a couple weeks ago and then there were all these pressing news stories that I had decided for whatever reason were more important at that time to discuss but this is a Wall Street Journal story the headline is just pathological altruism it was published June 14th so this is from a long time ago I'm sorry we didn't get to it until until now Bosch the story itself was written by James Toronto but it is uh, basically describing a paper that is written by Barbara Oakley. She's an associate professor in engineering, and um, she she's from the Oakland University, which is a second-tier institution in Michigan, but she published a paper which was Concepts and Implications of Altruism, Bias, and Pathological Altruism in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. And she talks about, in effect, what, I mean, she's characterizing it as a variety of altruism. So we could say, just as radical Islam, if you use the term radical Islam, and that you say radical Islam is the problem, it's the bad thing, then you're implying that 
There is a non-radical right. Islam. The regular Islam is fine. It's like uh, a, totalitarian Islam, right? Like, that means regular Islam isn't totalitarian. It's like Mark Levin wrongly says, radical egalitarianism. Oh, because egalitarianism is good, but radical egalitarianism is bad. It's just it's a bad way of saying it. Right, right. And this is, but you know what though? The, the one thing I get from this is that altruism is to some extent getting criticized. That's new. Outside of Iron Rand. I mean, right. it, it really is new. Right. That's if, the thing that I, but if, I think of. But if you say the thing that's bad is pathological altruism, yeah. Yeah. then you're implying that there's a good form of altruism. Yes, I know. But still, how far are we from the culture? And this is this could lead to the ultimate critic of altruism, which is Iron Rand, which uh, this woman did write a piece on. Got a lot of stuff wrong, but she did write a piece on because she, clearly she was informed by Iron Rand about it. And she must have noted her in her book. I imagine she must. I mean, Maya Rand is the critic of altruism right. in history. Right. And I think she must have definitely been influenced in some way by this. But she, this woman defines pathological altruism as this. She says it's altruism in which attempts to promote the welfare of others instead result in an unanticipated harm. And then she says the qualification is that while the actor doesn't anticipate the harm, an external observer would conclude that it was reasonably foreseeable. So the two examples that they give to contrast a non-pathological altruism versus altruism. Now, this is listen to their example Uh of altruism, right? Um, You offer to help a friend to move. Hmm. Now, you might say, look, um, that offering to help your friend to move is necessarily always altruistic because moving sucks, <laughs> right? But if you, have a, if you help a stranger move, I mean... That's, if you help a stranger that's, move, that's for altruism. sure that's altruistic. But, but it, it, buddy, it might friend. not be altruistic, right, if right. you're helping your... Because it's your friend, right? right? It's your friend. You're, you, you hate moving, they hate moving. At least they, they say, okay, I'll help you move next time. So it's nice That's trade-off. right, a little trade-off. You get to spend time with your friend. Right. Your friend's buying you good pizza exactly. or bacon cupcakes from Sprinkles. Yes. Then it's, uh, you know... Something awesome. It's a plus. But uh, hey, everybody, if you go tell Sprinkles that you uh, heard about the cupcake (laughs) on my show, maybe they'll give me a free cupcake when I show up. I honestly don't have any relationship with Sprinkles, although I would love to have a sponsorship relationship with Sprinkles if anybody's listening. Okay, so let's go on here. So, yeah, so you're offering to help your friend to move. This says, and then suppose you accidentally break an expensive item belonging to your friend, then your altruism is probably not pathological because nobody foresees that you're necessarily going to break this stuff. But then she says, whereas if your brother is addicted to painkillers and you help him obtain them, then that is pathological altruism. And in essence, she links it to codependency. And so this is where uh, Robert in the chat room has a comment here and he says pathological yeah. altruism <clears throat> is a redundancy. And I'm not sure that it is in the sense that it's psychological, right? I think of pathological meaning that there's the a heavy psychological component, but I mean, maybe you do have to have a, a wicked psychology in order to hold altruism explicitly. But altruism really is a But they're all saying that, that right? evil people use this idea of, uh, you know, t- togetherness and uh, unselfishness and all that for to get terrible things, which is what altruism is. I mean, they can use it and, and no, but it is is rotten to the core, otherism. Right. Ultimately, it is. Right. But I, I think there, the, the only thing I get out of this, again, is that there is some criticism in altruism, to some extent, I mean, they're they're saying it could be evil 
It could be. I mean, in the wrong hands, it could be used, it could be manipulated. Well, if it can be, then it's then it's no good. If you really think about it, then it's not good at all. But just that there is a piece called pathological altruism in the Wall Street Journal, it's important. It's important in our culture. It yeah, really is. Just, just, to, just, just to say altruism. Just to put, oh, yeah, just to altruism put is, mind. isn't the greatest thing ever. Well, and, and and here's the thing too, right? Because she. The, and I'm the, a stickler for all this stuff when it comes to Islam. But what I'm saying is, for this, I understand that I never hear this outside of Ayn Rand's work ever. So right. to hear this, well, that's interesting. That's that's a good thing to say. Okay, it can be bad. You know, for some people, for some people, the first time that they'll ever hear this, say, wait a minute, altruism is bad. Right. You know? Right. And and moreover, whereas she starts by linking it to psychological issues and like helping a drug addict and yeah. all this kind of stuff, you know, you you think, oh, is it, is it all going to be about codependency and helping your drug addicted brother? But the article is not all about that. Right. She points out that maybe people haven't talked about codependency in the literature enough because of, quote, a strong academic bias against studying possible negative outcomes of empathy, end quote. So there's that. She talks about the different um, public policy implications of what, mm. you know, again, she's titling this pathological altruism. So, for example, she uh, gives the housing bubble, right. the housing bubble as an example of the consequences of, of the pathological yeah. altruism, right? So, destructive nature, yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't think that you would necessarily say, I mean, maybe the people in the government are codependent in a certain way. They're they're dependent on the idea that they're quote-unquote helping us. It's just disgusting yeah. um but you know the woman oakley describes in the article how they think that they're you know helping you by promoting home ownership she, you know she says mm -hmm. a beneficial goal that stabilizes families and communities and then they turn out giving loans to people who aren't qualified for them then you get the foreclosures and you get the big housing bubble and the collapse so actually properly identifying the proper cause of the housing bubble and linking it to altruism yeah. is a really good sign. Yeah. So maybe it's just a terminology issue that we would have with, you know, well, that's just not, that's not just pathological altruism. No, because, that's I mean, just, it's, it, that's it's altruism. Also, it's also the idea about the, house, the, the housing, that, that was evil. I mean, it was, and it, it blew up in our, in our faces. And uh, it, it, the intentions are, aren't good. They're not good at all. Now, Robert in the chat room, Bosch, agrees with your point about just the good sign of seeing pathological yeah. altruism in the Wall Street Journal, seeing the idea that altruism could be bad. Uh, he says it's true. He says, plus you're more likely to hear pathological oh, yeah. egoism, no doubt about pathological it. selfishness right. mentioned yep. in the culture no doubt. than you are pathological. No, good point. And, but, and again, I'm a stickler to this stuff. When it comes to Islam, I always call Islam Islam. And all, yes, I do. And altruism, again, this is a whole new ballgame because outside of Iran, never, ever. You hear, uh, you know, even Christian Bale playing Batman, he's altruistic. You know, writers, comic books are all altruistic superheroes and all that BS. And that's that's the given. Well, and and Greg Gutfeld, right? I mean, yeah, just, just keeps, last yeah. on last night's show, he was talking about Anthony Weiner was selfish. I mean, it's just it, because he's staying in the race, and like Gutfeld has to, he's he's got to read, he's got to rethink some things because he's getting some things dead wrong. Now, doesn't Levin also dead use wrong. selfishness the wrong way? Of course, yeah. they all do. Okay. but he really used that word uh, selfishness, Levin. Okay. Levin is one of, the, one of the best, hands down. I mean, he's, I disagree with certain things, but overall, he's excellent. He's the most passionate about this country and about the Constitution.
terms of uh, what were you saying? It was something uh, about Guffield. Just, just just one thing uh-huh. about the. Do you have the valet thing or no? Oh, we can talk about okay, that as well. Valets in a in a what was it, a hotel or somewhere? Oh they no, were, yeah, no valets at the airport. If, uh, you, are, if, you, if you if you check your car you, at the airport, if you valet park your car at the airport, that is now apparently giving them license for you entire car. Your car and everybody's car because you know what? There might be a bomb in there. Everybody's car and Bob Beckel, the leftist idiot who's actually good on Islam and, and Muslims in some cases, is actually excellent about this. He goes, Fourth Amendment, privacy, this is outrageous. And then Greg Guffeld says, no, 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 this is, is important. National security, national security? That's national security? He's, he's just not thinking because he's not. per United States versus Jones, spring 2012, Supreme Court said your car is an effect, right. persons, houses, right. papers, an effect, and that if the government does something to your car, that is a search. Absolutely. I do not see you consenting Unlawful. to have your car searched simply because you valet parked it at an exactly. airport. So, and I think about it also, again, we're all potential terrorists, that idea also. We're, we all are. I mean, every single last one of us who drives a car in there, you know, we could have a bomb in there. This no probable stuff. cause, no Nothing. particularized suspicion. This is why they're not doing their job. You know, they're not doing their job. This is why they have to, to check yeah. all this out. Let's go back to the pathological altruism article because one thing I wanted to talk about was something that I learned from this article that I did not know before, which is they talk about the higher education bubble. And, of course, you would conclude, you know, it would be pretty easy to infer that the higher education bubble also would come about because of altruistic reasons. But listen to the actual legal reason behind the higher education bubble. College degrees, as we know, became increasingly necessary for entry-level professional jobs. But here is why. It says there was a well-intentioned but you know, troublesome, of course, it was well-intentioned, but it had bad results, Supreme Court decision that restricted employers from using IQ tests Hmm. because of their disparate impact, quote-unquote, on minorities. Hmm. Did anybody know that? No. I did not know that the reason for Hmm. the overvaluing of a college degree is because the Supreme Court thinks that if they used an IQ test instead, I mean, think about this. There's so many jobs in the world where an employer would be happy to hire a smart person who had a proper high school education and could read and write, right. and that's it, right? Mm-hmm. That's what you need, read, write, do some math, and that could come in and learn on the job. Right. Somebody with a decent IQ. So all they need to do is test that you can read, write, do some math, you have a good IQ, and you don't need four years of college no. drinking and partying and gaming the freshman 15 and whatever else that goes along with it. But, no, there's a Supreme Court decision that said that would be bad because it would have a disparate impact on minorities. Mm. Is that racist or yeah. what? Yeah. I mean, but To say that minorities they wouldn't or, have, yeah. or, or it, it's the Supreme Court saying that an IQ test right. is racist, is that the idea? I guess. I'm going to so. have to go check out that. Because of what it unearths, you know? Ed, Ed in the chat room is a know-it-all. He says he knew that. <laughs> but this is I, – I, anyway, that was the cause of it. Um, but that was another example that they gave. Yeah. Then they talk about also the admission standards, you know, the uh, discriminatory admission standards in – you know, yeah. in the cause of affirmative action, right. that those were well-meaning but have bad results, both 
for the people who are the so-called beneficiaries of affirmative action, right? Imagine that you're saying well-meaning. Well, that's what they keep saying. Well, well well-intentioned anyway. I mean, there are people with good intentions who do bad things. You know that that happens. Uh, Sometimes you give a gift to somebody as a well-intentioned thing, but it's something they don't like. I guess, but it's not bad. I mean, it's just taste. I mean, it's yeah. So, so, but in any event. Affirmative action, also an example of pathological altruism, according to this article. So, in conclusion, I'm not thrilled with the terminology. We, I am. I agree with you, Bosch, that having so. altruism mentioned as potentially challenge. a bad thing, right. having challenge. a challenge, and also, and then great. it might lead you to Ayn Rand. Say, okay, who who talks about altruism? Boom, you find Ayn Rand. Then you find the argument, you know, the irrefutable arguments, and say, okay, now now we're talking. We can actually use the term altruism as evil. So that fact was in the bell curve. Interesting. Thanks, Ed. Ed says that cool. that. That's, but I, I'm going to dig up that Supreme Court opinion. I think it would be fun to write on. I'm currently working to finish a law review article on this third party doctrine stuff that I've been talking ad nauseum about on shows, both this show and the Tammy Bruce show. But I am looking for my next big passion, and something like that would be great. Imagine mm. deflating. The entire higher education bubble by putting some facts behind it, not to mention all the studies that have come out lately about how college education doesn't really help you succeed anyway. There's something there, no doubt. Definitely something there. So that was a little bit of pathological altruism. What else do we have? We have a story that with a headline, and this is from (laughs) whatculture.com. Nine movies that prove capitalism isn't all bad. So again, you know, yep. capitalism, I guess, is mostly bad. Yeah. It but, isn't all bad. But we always hear capitalism's evil in pop culture. Cartoonists, comic book websites, pop they're always evil. They're corporate, you know, always. Uh, this is new. This, this is new to me. Nine movies that prove capitalism isn't all bad. Check out, though, the author starts out. I know, of course. He says, for the record, (laughs) I don't think that that capitalism is all good either. Would you let me finish reading the sentence, please? No, but I just just want to read the one sentence and then then tell me. For the record, I don't think that capitalism is all good either, right? Um, But he starts out like that. It's the qualification that bothers me. Um, But you're right. You're right, Bosch, that seeing this as a sign in the culture – is good. You know, the idea that they're finally saying that capitalism is good. But, you know, for years they've said capitalism is a necessary evil of certain things, um, that you have to have it in order to produce for the poor. So let's go to the next link that you turned me on to here, which is Bono. Bono says, only capitalism can end poverty. And this is from the website called The Inquisitor. You, again, you can find the links at don'tletitgo.com. But um, Bono is surprising himself, admittedly, by singing the praises of capitalism. So let's see if I can actually play this in the low-tech way that I tried to play a clip last time and see how it goes. Here goes Bono. From a, I think it's Georgetown University is what you said, Bosch, right? So some of Africa's rising and some of Africa's stuck. The question is whether the rising bit will pull the rest of Africa up or whether the other Africa will weigh the continent down. Which will it be? Stakes here aren't just about them. 
Uh, imagine for a second this last global recession, but without the economic growth of China and India, without the hundreds of millions of newly minted middle class folks who now buy American and European goods. Imagine that. Think about the last five years. Rockstar preaches capitalism. <laughs> wow. Sometimes I hear myself and I just can't believe it. Um, but commerce is real. That's what you're about here. It's real. Aid is just a stopgap. Commerce, entrepreneurial capitalism, takes more people out of poverty than aid. Of course, we know that. So that was Bono. And yes, he has a few qualifications there. First, he talks about the idea of China as an example of capitalism, right? Um, he talks about India. I think India is probably more capitalist than China. But the other thing that he says in here is he talks about entrepreneurial capitalism. So maybe he's still against some of the big companies, although he was a big investor in Facebook. You said he invested big in Facebook, yeah. Bosch? So, um you know, he is investing in big companies. I guess he's, his investment is paying off today, as I gather from the headline on Dredge. But he is the world's wealthiest musician, that they say. And here he is. He's saying aid, all this aid that he's been campaigning for for years, he realizes now it's just a stopgap. He says commerce and entrepreneurial capitalism takes more people out of poverty than aid. So entrepreneurial capitalism, so it's qualified. Uh, he talks about the standard being that it takes more people out of poverty than aid does. So it's like, well, yeah, we like capitalism. Why? Well, because it takes more people out of poverty. In a practical way, I think, in the last 20 years, he sees that his help has made no difference. And there was a critic of his uh, in, in Africa who told him, we don't need your help. We need to get ourselves back up. And I think that, coupled with reality, with experience, led him to this. And yeah, it is a little, um, you know, he does say entrepreneurial capitalism, whatever. It's good to see, uh, yep. a, you know, a, a, a pretty liberal uh, rock star talk positively about capitalism. It's great. It's you important. Had, you had said also that he was good on the topic of Islam he before. Was. He he's, he's been very good about that. He, he, he compared the, the enemy, the threat. He didn't say Islam or Jihad, but to Nazism, to communism. He says we... We shouldn't pretend otherwise. Uh, that's also who you know who who in rock says that. Nobody. And I never hear him talking about global warming either. He might. I just never heard him. So basically, about the enemy, he's good. And about capitalism, he's good. And they have a new album coming out this year, so that should be good too. We'll see. Yeah. And they still produce good work after thirty years together. Still, there's excellent songs on their albums, in the new albums. Unlike the Rolling Stones and. I mean, imagine with how wealthy they are that they just continue to work hard to innovate musically. It's nice. So here's another quote, quote from Bono. I don't have a, a clip on that. But this is according to a Forbes magazine article. He gave a speech in Dublin last October. He said, job creators and innovators are just the key and aid is just a bridge. We see it as a startup money investment in new countries. A humbling thing was to learn the role of commerce. End quote. So apparently he is open to learning from reality. Yeah. He has tried to have this aid sent over there and aid sent over there, and he's actually watched to see what the results are. And he's decided, I mean, I guess, you know, charitably, because as Ed in the chat room 
you know, uh, comments here, aid actually is probably destructive most of the time, oh, yeah. right? Um, there are cases in which individuals, individuals, individuals I are think, who, no, in a bad state through no fault of their own, and you can help them. incredibly yeah. talented individuals, people investing in them, that's a whole different story. Say, okay, if I do this, you have to do this, and vice versa, and then you'll earn it, you know, and then maybe get off on your own, that's fine. But uh, in general, just to throw money at a situation, it's disgusting. That's what our government does. And look look what happens there. I mean, nothing happens. Exactly. So exactly. He so, learned, and that's really good to see. I mean, he guys in, in his 50s. It's about time, but whatever. Good for him. It's good that he goes out there and says, because, you know, people say, well, Bono said it, so let me look into that. You know, capitalism is not evil. Altruism is not evil. Now about the article, so this is a good thing. What do you think, though? Do people think that Bono's too old now for him to have know. an effect on the culture by saying things I, like that? I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. I mean, they still sell you know, albums in the millions. Did they still do that? So, I don't know. They still produce good music. If, if that's relevant to people today, I hope it is. You know. So we have in the Wall Street Journal someone saying that yeah, altruism can sometimes be a problem. We have Bono saying that capitalism is the key to lifting people out of poverty. Now, again, what we do have to question with him, too, is why is the standard lifting people out of poverty? Right, right. Because that, that, that's why he actually went to Africa. That, that's why he, that, that's what got out of it. He wants to help Africa get healthy again, and, and that's it. And so that's the standard. Right. But regardless, to, for him to learn that, you know, that's good, and to talk positively about, about entrepreneurs even. You know, and, and he was friends with Steve Jobs as well. And they had that, if you recall, the U2 iPod. Mm-hmm. It was really, really cool. It was black with, with a red circle. And they were trash for that. People called them sellouts for that. Well, and, it, and if you read... And they didn't care. If you read in the Jobs bio, Jobs had to talk him into it. Yeah, right, right, right. Because sure. they, they were worried about their reputation. But at, at a certain point, they say, you know what? This is Steve Jobs. This is a great thing, the iPod. Um, as, so as, they, I, as I see it, though, basically we've gotten Bono... From the point where he was all for just giving money away, he no. wasn't for capitalism at all. No. He's come to see the value of capitalism for achieving his particular goal, which is to lift people in Africa out of poverty. Yeah. But what does he think about that goal? Is that goal a morally imperative goal for him? Or does it happen to be something that he wants? And so then he's seeing the value of this system, capitalism, to achieve something that, that he wants. I think also I, also one thing about, about giving money in, instead of creating, I think maybe in this bad economy, maybe that hit him as well. He's like, uh, well, right. he said that they, as pe- well. people are hurting. And we have to have them produce and create instead of just be given money. And so that's the way they can get out of it. They can't just be given because there's no money. There's a lot, not a lot, there's not a lot of money going that way anymore. Also about global warming, when the, the jig was up, when people were, did not want to waste their money anymore on this fantasy, on this idea, they said, "Well, I don't got money to blow on this anymore. We don't even know if it's true." When the economy goes bad, all the BS goes by the wayside. I think that's what happened with with uh, global warming. It wasn't because. People actually said, no, this this is a great thing. I'm going to stick to it. No. Uh, they started you know, saying, I'm going to question whether I'm going to blow my money on this crap. Um, I think that was the beginning of the end of, of global war, even though Obama's still trying to cling to it and hang, hang on to it. He's still clinging. You know he's going to keep clinging to it. That's the Obama way for sure. But, you know, all these things, all these, I think things are exposed when the economy goes bad and people start saying, okay, what am I going to put my money towards? 
and then they start thinking about the reality of the situation. Well, global warming is, a, you know, then it, then it becomes skeptical about global warming at that point when, right. they're, when their wallets are a little lighter. So we've got Wall Street Journal, yeah. which is, I think, a cultural leader, yeah. right? A very yeah. important news source. And Bono, a cultural leader. Yeah. World-renowned musician yeah. saying, hey, capitalism... Is not all bad. It's and a the well-known only, it's, liberal. It's the only thing that can end poverty. Now, we'd like them to sing the praises of capitalism more than that, but this is good. This is a great start. Let's go on to a story in which we're looking at uh, basically Americans' negative view of businessmen. And this is from Richard Salzman. He is a regular contributor at Forbes. So if you go to Forbes.com, you can find this story. This was published on the 16th of July. Americans think little of business executives he says, and that's bad for the U.S. economy. And he's talking about a recent poll at the Pew Research Center asking Americans to rank occupational groups according to how much they, quote, contribute to society's well-being. That's a lousy standard if I ever heard one, right? But basically businessmen, business executives in particular, rank below journalists. But above lawyers, everybody's above lawyers, you know that's true. But only 24% of respondents say that business executives contribute a lot, while a larger share of them believe that executives contribute, quote, not very much or nothing at all. And then he says the poll is all the more troubling because most executives are more highly paid than the other occupations on the list. And then he talks about the reasons why people might hold businessmen, business executives in low esteem. He says one possible explanation is that Americans may not hold economic prosperity as a high priority in their life. He says another one is that they see wages stagnating, layoffs accelerating, businesses failing, and economies contracting, and they presume that that's the norm and that they blame the executives for that. Of course, it's government that does that. But he says, perhaps the most plausible but underappreciated explanation for this low reputation of business executives is that, uh, you know, uh, it's the meaning that respondents assign to the phrase, quote, contribute to society's well-being. Contribute to society's well-being. This is perhaps it's they a believe... question. Yeah. Perhaps they believe it means a willingness to sacrifice for the benefit to society, uh, to give more than one takes, et cetera, et cetera. But if you talk about, you know, again, every trade that you make in the marketplace, if you go to Apple and you buy an iPhone and you give them money in exchange for the iPhone, it is because you value the iPhone more than the money. Think about all the money spent voluntarily on the free market, not for healthcare anymore, but for other stuff. And think about the value that people are saying that they're getting from the stuff that they're buying accordingly. Right? You're not forced. Nobody puts a gun to your head and says you must go to Apple and buy the iPhone. Although there is that one guy who's suing Apple because Apple was in charge of his or cause of his porn addiction or right. something. Ugh. I think he said he had an eye gun to his head. And I got to a set. Oh my God! Or one of those 3D guns off the printer, or whatever. Um, but no, you know the point is, is that the reason that there's all this money for the companies to distribute to the business executives is because people are judging that those businesses are contributing value to their lives. You're willing to give that money to Apple for this in story, exchange I, for the iPhone. I say, what's new? 
it's the same thing, but at the same time, these people are ignorant. I mean, they're just they're not thinking things through. So I, I can't take them too I can't take them too seriously. They haven't thought things through. Yeah, I mean, we and they haven't you know with sought out with you know. polls, there are always issues there, and are, the question's rotten to the core, right? You know, if that's a standard, well, they're gonna say, well. Yeah. And what does it mean to contribute to society? I mean, what's, maybe what's a philanthropist? You know, if, if if he has no money, I mean, what is he? If he hasn't created wealth to to throw away, I mean, what is he? And and pe- people, you know, and, and people don't judge it as a contribution if it's not self-sacrificial. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And and if you don't hurt, then come on. Yeah. Well, come on. Uh, but but I think more importantly. What I would do is I would look at the last few stories. And, you know, and again, these are just smatterings of cultural news here. I call them cultural snapshots. It's not like I'm purporting to do any sort of overarching integration on the scale of, uh, you know, some sort of a cultural analysis like Leonard Peikoff would do or something. But if if I looked at these last few stories, I'd say, well, look, you've got cultural leaders giving indications that they are questioning whether altruism is good and whether capitalism is bad. And that's the whole thing. They're, and then, they're and then here, yeah, they're questioning that. And those are the cultural leaders. Yeah. Here, you have a, you know, a poll of people who are consumers of culture, uh, probably, right? All the people who answered this poll are probably consumers of culture. And yeah, consumers of culture are still fairly negative about businessmen. No big deal. When I see the trend is that the leaders are being positive about right. capitalism, negative about altruism. I, I take that as a good sign. Yeah. And believe me, I think if someone, an articulate spokesman, if he was speaking to these individuals who did that poll, right, for five minutes to ask them certain potent questions, not that dumb question, I think they would come around to some extent. I, I would do at least to think about it, to ask them these, these questions. Do you personally uh, get a value out of this, out of this comp- company, and why and what for you? I mean, to ask them certain questions that they cannot deny, then they'll start, well, okay, I'll think about it. Because they haven't thought about these things, which is why they hold the positions that they do. They haven't thought about businessmen in, the, in this area. Uh, therefore, they suck because Hollywood tells them so, our politicians tell them so, their parents and friends, whatever. But they haven't thought things through. So I don't really, I don't, I don't take too much in, into that. I, I really don't. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. And, and again, I'm looking at the the trend. Yeah. What what is the trend? What are we moving towards? And I see, and you know, again, Bosch, thanks for sending me these links. Uh, you know, between Bono and and the Wall Street Journal, we're seeing a positive trend. Right. And here we just have a couple minutes before the end of the hour here, and I do want to go into news. Oh my God, the next hour. But I want to tease you a little bit because Bosch really hates Ashton Kutcher. I don't. I don't hate him. I am absolutely indifferent. I can't even sit through a commercial with him. He stinks. I mean, he really does. He has nothing to say, nothing to offer. I saw him in a few minutes from one, one movie. It, it wasn't good. However, but however, I hate the fact that I might have to watch his next movie. Yes. Or I, or actually, I don't hate it. That's that's what it was. I think based on this one video, I don't hate the fact, but I'm because I'm going to. Coming to theaters August 16th, and again, I'm. This is not a sponsor. Although, feel free to sponsor my show, The Jobs Movie. Go ahead. 
But yeah, it's the Steve Jobs movie yeah. starring Ashton Kutcher of all people. I'm and not an actor. again, the link is in my program notes at don'tletitgo.com. Watch the trailer for yourself. It looks pretty and good. even if you don't like Ashton Kutcher, be honest. How do you react to watching that trailer? Yeah. I am embarrassed to tell you that I've watched this trailer I think four times now. I'll watch about it. Yeah. four times. I'll watch twice. I get emotional watching this trailer. I saw it last night in the, in a theater when I, when I saw Wolverine. I saw it. And? Um, it, it was pretty good. Did you get emotional watching I it? I did because it was actually Steve Jobs' words, is his actual words. Exactly. Which he's narrating. Exactly. Uh, Kutcher. And he does look like him, you know? He does resemble him. <clears throat> and he seems to be doing a good job. He seems to be doing a good portraying job. Portraying him. There was, Maybe there it was, was the role. Was, Who knows? He's not an actor. Maybe it was the role well, where he had to step up. And, and Bosch, here's the other thing. Tell us a little bit more of what you heard about why Kutcher took the role. Uh, I don't remember the exact reason, but there were pretty damn good ones about uh, him being an innovator, him being a genius, him being a thinker, a creator. Basically, all positive reasons that he gave, which was interesting because he's from the young culture. I mean, what? He's in his, what, he's maybe 30? Maybe? No, he's over 30 now. Okay. See, yeah. I, I don't know about him. But uh, it was all good reasons why he took it on. And, and another reason he gave was because he was terrified. Terrified to take on, to play this this great man. And that's sometimes a good reason for an actor. Because if you are just willy-nilly take a, a role on, it's probably not going to give you a role. If you're terrified, you might really step it up, work hard. And it seems like he may have, just from the little clips I, I've seen. I would <laughs> say that one of the scenes... I kind of got the sense that, yeah, this is Ashton Kutcher playing Steve Jobs and not Steve Jobs, you know? Mm -hmm. there was, And it was the scene where he's talking in front of the assembled engineers there. Right. There was something a little... Well, where, I liked where I got it. This, I, I because, liked it. No, he told I, the guy. The guy questioned him. He goes, leave. Okay, right, right. No, but before, I it, it was the part before that. Okay. Whereas, okay, maybe <clears> he's... I, I get, you know, you you get a sense in certain places where this is somebody yeah. acting versus getting yourself lost in the movie and the emotion. Well, of in it. in the film itself, that might happen. For a preview, it's it's, it's so sure that you can't get lost in it really. Even though Amy does get lost in, I mean, I, I sometimes I envy her because when she watches the movies, I mean, it's like yeah, I get really absorbed when I really watch absorbed. Movies. Yeah, so. Excellent. We are at the top of the hour, though. Can you believe that we have gotten through the list of all the cultural snapshots? So, again, all through the first hour, we were just talking about various cultural snapshots and trying to come to some sense. I would say, I mean, let's, let's just run down the list here, Bosch. Yeah. Uh, we had Pink Martini. We had Sprinkles Bacon Cupcakes. This is good stuff. Uh, the out-of-context snapshot that makes you doubt the American Revolution, all the wiener stuff this week. I would say that what are people going going to remember? I think they're going to remember Kate and William. Yeah. They're not going to remember that garbage. No. Uh, the vandalism of Lincoln Memorial. Eh. Uh, pathological altruism, excellent, yeah. good sign. Nine movies that prove capitalism all bad, good sign, not great, but decent. Uh, Bono, excellent sign that he is recognizing the facts of reality. We would like to push yep. him a little bit more about the value of capitalism, specifically that it's the only moral yep. system out there, which he doesn't necessarily say that. He just says it can help end poverty. Next time I see him, uh, I'm going to hand him a capitalism, the unknown ideal. Salzman says that people... Yeah, next time you see him. Yeah, next time you run into Bono. See yeah, Bono. He don't. <laughs> Maybe he'll be at the Sprinkles Cupcakes Bacon, right. Uh, right? Right. There we'll go. Uh, Maybe he's listening in. That's right. Call in. Bono, come meet us at Sprinkles Cupcakes. Get some bacon. Uh, 
Salzman, yeah, Americans think little business executives. Okay, let's give it time. Let's give it time. That's what I say, Richard Salzman. Yeah. Uh, because, and again, I mean, I think Jobs, the movie, the yes. excitement over Steve Jobs, yep. the positive view budget, that people have you know, towards Steve Jobs well-made movie. can help fight that negative view that people man. have. Yeah, he, he was, was a, an innovator. He was a genius. I mean, yeah. he was all these things, and that's great, and he's being you know, glorified in a movie right now. We'll have to see that, though, and I was just thinking that in my mind, right, because the the trailer even shows the so-called negative side of him, and but, so what we want to see... No, but everything that was important about Jobs was what we know about him, what we deal with him directly, with with his work. Everything else was, that's his own personal problems, I mean, with his health, I mean, we didn't, we didn't have to deal with that. Uh, uh, of course, he ended his life ended a lot, <laughs> a, a lot sooner if he was smarter, but... If he took care of himself, but he didn't. And I think that's why I get so emotional oh, when no I watch doubt. stuff it's, about him. I mean, you, you, read, you read that biography, you get pissed off anyway, by the end. Anyway, definite good sign. I hope the movie does well. It probably wasn't a super high-budget movie like these other ones. It'd be nice probably to not. see it make some money and finish strongly no, that weekend. No, it looks like a high-quality movie, though. Yeah. I mean, it looks like. Yeah. I don't think they, they skimped on, on, the, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the film. So what do you get overall, all those snapshots? Good sense of Absolutely. the culture? Absolutely. I I mean every time I see something true out there, in popular you know areas like the Wall Street Journal, like in Bono, I feel great. I feel like okay, there's a, a we're not as bad as we think we are. We're not, we're not in as bad, bad a place as as we think we are because it's easy to just fall into it. And say you know what, this world sucks. I mean everything is terrible. That's easy to look for these things, you know, and, and to recognize them as important. I mean, these are important things. These are important issues being discussed in a positive way. That's that's good. Well, you're not having to scour the far no. corners of the earth. I mean, this is exactly. Bono at Georgetown University. The, exactly. This these are the pages very of the Wall visible. Street Journal, right? Exactly. Right. Very right. visible right. in your face. Uh, that's important. So this It's is, important. This it is, will make people think. Just by that just by the association with altruism can be bad. What? That's important. I love it. This is Don't Let It Go Unheard. We are in the second hour. I'm your host, Amy Peikoff, and you're listening also to cartoonist Bosch Faustin. And we have done a little mini review of Snapshot of the Culture in the in the first hour. And I think we should use more often the, the culture snapshot. I like it. I like I like hey, the whole idea about it. Keep keep showing yeah. me stories that you run across and I'll do the same. We'll just make some notes and anything that we get excited about. Yeah. Pink Pink Martini, by the way, if you want me to Want to be a sponsor? I'll, I'll promote you too. <laughs> <laughs> Jobs, the movie, all the, all the little good stuff that I see out there. Apple, hey, Apple, be a sponsor. Of, yeah, haha. Ha. Um, Apple lets my show out on iTunes. I'm happy enough with that right yeah. now. So and Apple computer right now as well. Let's uh, let's dive into some news. Do you think you've got enough spiritual fuel to dive into some news? For, you know, what's good. That's a good way of doing. It, actually, start off with that and then get into the mess. Get get into the mire, into the political mire. It's very good. Very good, because now we get a little more oomph, a little more energy. I, th- I think we do. The I other way would have been probably, you know. Well, and that was the thing. I just I I was preparing for the show, and I was getting this sense of ick. Yeah. And we and actually, my my grandmother had a great way of talking about this. Uh, there was a particular woman that neither she nor I liked, and it was because when the woman was speaking to you, when we were around this woman, she gave you a sense of what she called. It's just a normal term. It's called miasma. Miasma is sort of this overwhelming sense of pervasive ickiness everywhere. And I think that's really where I was feeling when I was preparing right. this, this morning because I was just 
I was so disgusted. And so I said, okay, let's start out with some of this cultural stuff. And because and that's really where the important things are. And yeah. when it, whenever you get disgusted with exist. politics, whenever you get disgusted with politics, when you think that every politician is basically letting you down in some way or the other, or even the good politicians are not being able to be effective good, as yeah. you would like them to be, you just got to pause and say, okay, let's look at where the culture is going yep. and see if we can suss and out some, and some good, some some good, good signposts. Signs. And, some and, good signposts are out there. I mean, they're, they're out there. They exist. They're real. It's important. I think we have them. I think we do have them. So first on, on the news list here is Holder. Eric Holder, our wonderful attorney general, writes a letter to Russia and says, the U.S. says Snowden wouldn't face death penalty. This is a Wall Street Journal story updated today, this morning. It says, U.S. authorities say that the NSA leaker Edward Snowden wouldn't face the death penalty and also promised he wouldn't be tortured. In this a new is a, letter, this is a known liar uh, who's speaking. In a new letter hoping to persuade Russia not to grant him asylum or refugee status. Attorney General Eric Holder, in a letter to Russian counterpart uh, Alexander Vladimirovich Konovalov, yay, I pronounced it, woohoo! He said that Mr. Snowden's grounds for sneak, seeking asylum in Russia, quote, are entirely without merit. Letter goes on to provide written assurances in the hope that Russia will then deny Snowden's appeal for temporary asylum. First, it says the United States would not seek the death penalty uh, should he return to the United States, uh, should Snowden return to the United States. The charges he faces do not carry that possibility, and the United States would not seek the death penalty even if Mr. Snowden were charged with additional death penalty eligible crimes, end quote. Um, and then, you know, it gives you the summary about Snowden. He's been living in the airport. He disclosed a bunch of valuable stuff. Holder's letter, it says, notes that the press reports from Russia indicated that Snowden sought asylum in part based on claims that he couldn't, that he could have been tortured or killed by the U.S. government. Uh, Holder also disputed Snowden's assertion that he can't travel, but said he can only come back to the United States to face criminal charges. Oh, well, that's helpful. You You can travel, Snowden, but... Your only travel is back to the U.S. to face criminal charges. Says, quote, he is eligible for a limited validity passport, good for direct return to the United States. United States is willing to immediately issue such a passport to Mr. Snowden, end quote. In other words, go to jail. Go directly to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect a umbrella-laden drink in a tropical location. Yeah. Not that Mr. Snowden had great alternatives otherwise, I'm I'm saying, right? This is me. Uh, why am I calling him Mr. Snowden? I don't know him. I don't speak that formally. I just call him Snowden. But, yeah, his alternatives were not great, but they were better than going to jail. And I think saying that Snowden must come back to the United States and face the music, even if it doesn't include torture and the death penalty, right? Assuming that you could trust Holder, assuming that you could. I don't think he should have to face that. I think that saying that he should face that is like saying that Socrates should drink the hemlock. And I just think I, I, I would still say. Now, I know Gutfeld will say, well, look, you know, they're promising. And you could say, well, look, uh, Holder, Holder is on record in writing spread around the world. 
The Wall Street Journal has a PDF of the letter, I believe, if you go to the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Holder is on record saying that there'd be no torture, there'd be no death penalty. But I don't, I don't think it matters. I don't think that Snowden should have to go through this. Snowden has given up enough by knowing that he can never live in the United States as a non-criminal again unless we get a president who comes to his senses and pardons him. So what do you guys think there in the chat room? Or if people want to call up, 760-888-5817, 760 Five eight one seven. Would you trust Eric Holder? If you were Snowden, would you say, "Well, okay, as long as I'm not tortured or put to death, I could come back to the United States. I could use the trial itself as an opportunity to further my goals. Living in prison for some sort of term in the United States, if I'm facing a jury, maybe it won't be such a long term. One of the guarantees in here is that he would just go to a regular court." I mean, maybe you would trust Holder and you'd say, hey, I'll come back and I'll use this as an opportunity. I'm not saying that I would blame Snowden if he decides to take Holder up on this, if he decides to do it, because I do think that so long as he is given a regular court trial, has the opportunity to get a jury, and I'm not sure in these particular charges if he has that opportunity, but if he could get a jury trial and he could really make a lot of media coverage out of it, testify himself, have his testimony covered on national TV, he could go a long way towards achieving his goals. And I'm not sure that prison in the United States is much worse than life in some of the countries that have offered him asylum. And that is really, I think, you know, the the statement of saying that is is an insult to all the leading Western nations out there. Why Nobody decent no. is granting this guy permanent asylum. I have no idea. Shame on them. But, uh, you know, what What do you say there? Here's some, here's some people in the chat room. Ed says, even if Snowden is a criminal, why should he agree to put himself in the hands of another criminal? Holder. Yeah. yeah. Holder is a lawless um, you know, rat. He, he, he's always been. He's a, you know... You know when they call criminal criminal lawyers, they tell you literally he's he's a terrorist lawyer, literally. Guantanamo Bay, you know, Al Qaeda members, he his firm always uh, you know defended them. They always took them in. I mean, he was he's he's a terrorist lawyer. Uh, he, you know, and this guy, I, mean, I, I guess he sees him as a problem because he's he's making the administration look bad. And that's about it. He had no problem with what he did, probably. Yeah. He's like, yeah, but we're in charge now, and you're making us look bad, so therefore you're you're a criminal. Whereas if, if they weren't in power, they would be cheering him. Robert NYC in the chat room says, don't trust Holder for anything. I wouldn't come back if I were Snowden. Fair enough. I mean, I, I think that that is a definitely valid choice. You know, this this is the thing. One of the pieces of news this week that I am upset about and that made me want to go into the cultural stuff at the beginning was Pelosi. The next headline that I have, again, if you go to don'tletitgo.com and look at my program notes, you can check out the article for yourself. But the next headline is how Nancy Pelosi saved the NSA surveillance program. And this is from a blog called The Cable at foreignpolicy.com, written written by someone named John Hudson. And, And basically this story is about how Congress voted down an amendment to a piece of legislation that said that the NSA could no longer continue that Verizon metadata 
gathering, the bulk gathering of all metadata of all Verizon customers, there was an amendment that came before the House to go ahead and stop that program. And Pelosi, working hard behind the scenes, made it so that that uh, didn't get added to the piece of legislation. Same thing she did with Obamacare, because Obama was waning at one point, and she came back hard and said, come on, we've got to do this, we've got to do this. So she's, I mean, going out of her way to uh, wipe away our freedoms. Let's go ahead and take a call here. Maybe it's going to be about Holder. Who's this? Uh, Hey, this is Steve Nettles in Atlanta. How are you? Hi, you're a first-time caller, I think. Yes, I am. Sure am. Welcome to the show. Thanks for calling in. So uh, are you calling about the Snowden Holder thing? I am calling about – yes, I am. I'm calling about Snowden. I don't think we could trust Holder uh, to keep his word in regard to anything uh, as it relates to Snowden. Snowden, once he gets back in uh, U.S. territory and he's on the ground in D.C., we may never hear from him again. Yeah. So it's going to be I, like Nikula Nikula, the uh, the video yeah. maker, right? He's going to be in some federal prison, and we'll never know where he is or what he's what he's up to. Well, here's why: when you sign on with the government, and they give you a clearance, and as your clearance grows over the years, a different set of rules and a different set of laws apply to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. you're right. you're you're not treated just like uh, you know Joe Smith down the street. Um, and you waive, you in effect, because I had a clearance for 10 years, you in effect waive your rights when you get those clearances, especially if you commit treason. And that's what Holder said. Holder said this guy's committed treason, and he wants to try him for that. Now, though, that is not what they've charged him with so far, as I understand it, though. They've charged him with theft of government property, espionage, sharing secrets with unauthorized persons. But I don't think that they have charged him with treason. Treason would be a capital offense, Yes. Yes, it would be, but I think the other I think the other charges are just a smokescreen to get the Russians to release him. I think right. well, I think I think once he gets back on American soil, they're going to nail him. Yeah, you know, I, so, I don't say I don't I don't I'm not telling you that I agree with that, but I do think that's what's going to happen. Now, someone someone on uh, my page on Facebook, the Don't Let It Go Unheard page on Facebook, commented that it's a sad state of affairs when you trust Putin more than you trust. Holder, would you right. say? I mean, you know, again, Snowden has to decide how much he trusts Putin as well. Would you trust Putin more than you trust Holder? <laughs> uh, the, I, I, I'm afraid that's an equal. That's an <laughs> that's an equal. Uh, that's a zero uh, zero answer there. I don't trust so maybe one flip, more than flip, flip a coin. <laughs> flip a coin. Yeah, I don't trust one any more than I trust the other. I certainly don't trust Holder. Um, oh. And Holder has proven himself repeatedly over the past six months. Um, I mean, we saw it just the other day. Holder didn't like the decision that came out of the Supreme Court, right, regarding mm-hmm. uh, re- regarding the uh, 64 uh, civil rights and affirmative action laws uh, or the changes that the civil court made, right, or the Supreme Court made, right? So what's he doing? He's right now back, right back in Texas. What's he trying to do? He's trying to get the te- a, a, a federal judge in Texas to uh, to – to what hand over all the uh, all the uh, regulation or laws that Texas is going to use in their next elections? Right, yep. right. And, and, and so, so can you really trust that guy? I mean, he, he and Obama are different sides of the same coin. They're going right. to they're going to approach things. If they don't like the answers they get, it, they're, they're going to just find another way to get it done. Yeah. Right. You know, the, you know the story that I saw last week 
was that when Obama came into office for a second term, and he knew, of course, that he had a Republican-led House and you know the Democratic Senate, he went in with the idea, how can I govern? You know, I say govern, but he means rule. You know, he sees himself as yes, some dictator. Yes, he does. He does. Thing, You're exactly right. right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're exactly right. How can I rule without the House? Right. And that's what he's been trying to do this right. entire time, okay, figure out he, how he can finagle things. Yep. The bureaucracy, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's funny, you know, what do you hear out of the media regarding Obama? He's a const, uh, constitutional scholar, right? <laughs> he supposedly knows the Constitution inside and out. You know, a lot of people scoff at that, and they don't believe that he really does. I personally believe that, yes, he in fact does. Yeah. And... <laughs> And and and, 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 and yeah, and that maybe maybe you have to know it very well in order to craft ways to work around it and get away with it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and, 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 when the and media. I'm sorry. Go okay. ahead. No, I was just gonna say, and then and then it's not just the traditional constitution that you have to know. You have to know all of the current fluid flexible interpretations of the so-called living constitution so that you know what you can get away with. I mean, that that, that was just my amendment there. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're right. You, you're basically saying he has to know how far he can push it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, he, and he does. And if he doesn't know it, he's got a team of people that do. Right. <sighs> so I think we have to go back and listen to the first hour again. And yeah. <laughs> That's how I'm feeling now. Well, I, I so, appreciate you taking my call, Amy, and I'll hang up and I'll listen to the rest of your show. Right. Th- thanks very much. Thanks for calling in. That's great. You bet. Okay. So, yeah, not trusting Holder. I, you know I, what? I What I should have asked him is whether he would blame Snowden if Snowden did choose to come back in order to try to make a point. You know, this here's the analogy that just came to my mind, Bosch. Remember when you agreed to go on The Daily Show? Yeah. There was very little hope of oh, you yeah. being portrayed fairly on The Daily Show, True. and yet sometimes you do things in order to the further, yeah. further promote something that Your you believe ideas, in, yeah. right? Which is the point. I could see Snowden... But, flipping you know, that coin and making that choice. The big choice. difference is that he might go to jail. I mean, if they give him, you know, Pelosi for life or prison for life, like which one? I mean, which one would he choose? Like to be, you I mean to hang out with her for the rest of life or hang out? Well, Pelosi's hanging on. I don't know how long she's going to live. I don't think she's going to outlive Snowden, though. I hope. I don't know. I the, sure, I sure would hope. The, the rats live pretty long. Now, Robert NYC in the chat room says, I don't believe Obama knows the Constitution because there's no records of him even attending classes yeah. in Columbia University. Everything about him is, is BS. What is probably true, though, Robert, is that he has hired people I think you read the comments who manifesto. are giving him advice about how to best evade the Constitution. Yeah. In accordance with all of these, I think you read one book, uh, well, two books actually, the, the Communist Manifesto and the uh, Rules for Radicals. I think I think that's it. That's the two books that he read, maybe reread. That's it. He lives by. Oh no, the Post American. What's the one that he oh, had in man, his hands? Right. Post American um, World. Just Post American yeah. World, right? By the uh, constipated face guy, Zakaria. Anyway, this is this is why Snowden, I believe, has so much more work to do. We have so much more work to do, NSA surveillance program was saved this week in large part by Nancy Pelosi. There was an amendment by Representative Justin Amash. 
It was an amendment to claw back the sweeping powers of the NSA, and it has uh, it, it basically it's an obituary now that they're saying of this amendment. It has largely been written as a victory for the White House and NSA Chief Keith Alexander, who lobbied the Hill aggressively in the days and hours ahead of Wednesday's shockingly close vote. So it was just this Wednesday they had this vote. It says Hill sources say that most of the credit for the amendment's defeat goes to Nancy. Pelosi. Uh, you know, Ed Ed and I had a little exchange where he was saying, you know, don't don't play any Obama, please don't play any Obama. But he didn't say don't pay oh. don't play any Pelosi. Here's some Pelosi, some honorary Pelosi. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it away from the fog of the controversy. Let's let's stop her. You have to pass the bill to find out what is in it. My response to Ms. Pelosi, again, this amendment dealt with the Verizon wireless subpoena that, you know, the, the court subpoena, the secret court subpoena that we saw, whereby the government asked for Verizon to turn over the phone metadata of all of its customers. They said pretty please. All of its customers. They asked them. They said pretty please, right? Yeah, pretty please. No consequences yeah. if you don't, you know, just, we're just asking. Like, yeah. like they ask millionaires to pay more taxes. They're just asking them. Disgusting. Anyway, so that amendment was going to stop the NSA from doing this. And I think that would be a good place to start. It'd be very nice to just yeah. halt the indiscriminate bulk collection of metadata, like phone innocent metadata. Americans. Innocent Americans. No probable cause. No particularized suspicion. Can't we at least stop that in a Republican-controlled house? Can we? And also, maybe, I mean, just in terms of privacy, imagine... The conversations, imagine if we heard private conversations between Pelosi and Reid and Obama and Holder, less hours of them. It's probably impeachable right there. I mean, if you just take those conversations, you probably impeach them based on those, on those conversations, what they've done, what they, what they say, what they want to do. These guys are criminals. I mean, they're, they're supposed to be officers of the Constitution for its proper application and execution, but nah. Also, this, this projection that we're all potentially guilty because they know they are. It's real projection. All these things, all these uh, NSA and the TSA and all this, all the other other crap. Looking, now, looking into our cars now. I, I would I would suggest that everyone look into their House representatives' vote on this. It was yeah. a. They're describing it here as a razor thin vote. Mm. It was two hundred five to two seventeen. Two hundred five to two seventeen. It would have severely limited the NSA's ability to collect our telephone this. metadata. Pelosi privately and aggressively lobbied wayward Democrats to torpedo the amendment. Oh Remember, the Democrats used to be the opposition because all of this came about under the Patriot right. Act. Right. And they said, oh, this is horrible, horrible. It's, but it's, now that Obama's doing party. it and I mean, now that Pelosi's in favor of it. It's like this. I made a point yesterday. I said if uh, uh, the Republicans would never have passed Bush care, dot, 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 and Islam means peace, meaning, of course, they would have. Yeah. Of course. If, if if it was McCain care, yep. they would have voted for it. No problem. But they're Same like, yeah, it's Democrat. It's not good. I am losing any sort of hope that I have for this House Republican. And, oh, yeah. the, you know, one of the reasons. They have to clean house. Literally, clean house yeah. 2014 or else we're done. And, I mean, and, and Obama, two, two, two years. Imagine with, imagine with the House and the Senate, Obama. I mean, it's like, it's like a first term part two. Yeah. And one, one of the reasons 
that it's so important that there's some sort of spine in the house at all is is apparently they're coming up on the opportunity to shut down the government in a push to defund Obamacare. Some of them are acting as if that's the worst thing in the world. No, the worst thing in the world is to keep it open and and fund Obamacare. That's the worst thing in the world. I mean, they have shut down the government before. They have, and and as Mark Le- as Mark Levin says, every weekend the government shuts down. Every weekend it the does. The sky doesn't <laughs> fall. <laughs> you, know I mean? you know, the post office closed. All there, you know, the cops are there. The you know court, but it shuts down every weekend, so it won't kill us. It might hurt the government, which is good right now. We need the government to to hurt a little. I would love to shut down Holder's office in oh, particular. Yeah, we've uh, we've got another call. We're going to go ahead and take here. Hi, who's this? Hi, Amy. It's State of Defiance. How are you doing? Good. So I think I saw you uh, around kind of active on Twitter and stuff. I've got a bunch going on, so I was a little distracted. So this is good that you called in. Welcome, first-time caller. Well, that's that's okay. Thank you very much. And I'm calling about Stedman. And I just want you to know, I don't think you understand, Americans are cowards and bigots because that's what Stedman told me. I know. I mean, Eric Holder. Oh, Eric Holder. Yeah, so- I call him Stedman because he looks like Oprah's boyfriend. <laughs> he does. Yeah, I know. Okay, sorry. But anyway, sorry. I know we're all cowards and bigots, so I don't see how you can expect us to understand where he's coming from. That's that, it. That's so what he I, told me. So I, I'm not qualified to right. criticize him, in other words. Right. Exactly. And I would just uh, like to say that, number one, uh, Stedman, Eric Holder, is a liar and a putz, and that's a bad combination. That's- so if you're Snowden, you're staying put in Russia? I'd stay put. I wouldn't trust anybody. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then what do you think about his latest targeting of Texas? Well, I think uh, our Attorney General, uh, Greg Abbott, is going to rip him a new one, just like he always does. Uh, he's not going to – he has no case, and Greg Abbott is just going to rip him a new one. So you think that's going to help? Because there are a number of people who are worried that this is this is not the beginning, I'm sure, but this is one of the major beginning pushes to try to turn Texas yeah. into the next California. Yeah. Right. That's that that may or may not happen in ten years because we have a a lot of you know Mexican immigrants coming over. But I will tell you that what he's fighting is photo ID, and I mean, for goodness' sakes, you have to have a photo ID to get on an airplane or do anything else. And basically, I think he's just trying to whip up his base. You know, he knows he doesn't have a case. He's going to whip up his base so he can get through the 2014 election. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, that's my feeling. But, you know, this, this uh, you know, apparently California used to be a conservative state as yeah. well. Of course, Ronald Reagan was the governor at one point. So if they turn Texas into a liberal state, I mean, it's over for the foreseeable future, and this is the thing that – one of the things that got me so pessimistic this morning. I mean, here's you know Nancy Pelosi able to finagle all these votes in the House against a very simple amendment just to say that we don't want the NSA doing bulk collecting of our phone metadata from our providers. I mean, that's ridiculous that you cannot get members of the House, a majority of the members of the House, to vote against that. What kind of country do we live in, first of all? And then that they want to turn Texas into the next California. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you guys in Texas, I'm I'm sorry, I really like Texas. I've lived in Texas for several years of my life. I would say I probably total five or six years of my life I've lived in Texas. And I, I like the state. I hate the weather. I'm sorry to tell you that I hate the weather. 
Well, uh, you know, it is hotter than hell here, and uh, we call it summer. Um, and I will tell you that California turned blue because of the illegal aliens, Mexicans coming in, and we're having the same problem. Uh, but I will say also that if Texas goes blue, uh, we're, we're pretty much finished. Yeah. No, and, that, and that's yeah. what I think as well. Yeah. And I, I think yep. I, there, there are a number of people who I know who have left California to go to Texas yeah. because Texas still is a place where you can set up shop, be an entrepreneur, succeed, not get terribly punished for it, yeah. etc. And, yes, you have to put up with some weather because of that, but uh, you get the benefit of lower real estate prices, you don't have to pay as much income tax, and mm-hmm. you, you get a government. Th- here's the thing that I think could help to save Texas, and you tell me how big a, a cultural factor it is. There is a movement in Texas to educate not only the people in Texas, but I think the entire country about the value of the government form that you have in Texas. It's basically you have less government in Texas than there are other places. I mean, that's the way I see it in a nutshell. But to to educate people about the value of keeping Texas the way it is and not flipping it blue, so to speak. I I don't think that was going on in California as much as it is in Texas. Am I right? You're right, but and, and we do have a conservative uh, you know, Congress in uh in this in the state, but I will tell you that Austin is very liberal and they're doing, they're pouring a ton of money in, uh, coming from out of state, and they are trying to flip the state. I think it's probably a two or three year plan. They're trying to flip the state blue. And will it happen? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It depends on how many illegal uh, aliens they get in, you know, on the dole. And you know, of course, you know, as once that happens, uh, we're pretty much screwed. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, I don't know. You know, uh, have you read Atlas Shrugged? I certainly have. And in the chat room right now, Ed is commenting that Texas is essentially the Colorado from Atlas Shrugged. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, and I, I, I think I, think I mean we're, we're very independent, and there are just a ton of people who are not going to stand for it. And you know, we'll see what happens. It's a fight. Well, I, I definitely wish you the best, and I thank you very much for calling in. Did you have a comment on any of the stories we discussed other than that? No, I think. Uh, no, I just I can't stand Obama, and I want to barf every time I hear him talk. But other than that, no, I'm good. <laughs> okay, well, I have promised. Have a nice day. Yeah, you too. I have promised not to play audio of Obama today. I hadn't planned on doing it anyway. I should have lied, right? I should have said that I had planned on playing audio of Obama because on Twitter this exchange involved the promise of donations if I promised not to play. So I would get more donations and support of the show if I lied, right? And said that I had, but I, yeah, I I had not planned. I I very, very rarely play clips of Obama, and if I do, I make them very short. I prefer to shred his written speech. Sometimes you have to. Yeah, some. I mean, just just to get a sense. I I do like to play that one where he promises that you can keep your doctor, because it's just it's just it's just nice to catch him. Robert in NYC is making me feel better about not moving to Texas right away because he reminds me that Texas is not doing very well when it comes to the issue of abortion. Well, yeah, they're imperfect, clearly. Yeah, so but that no. is, that is true. The better, the and all the better leaders in Texas who I like are people who have been pushing the abortion issue way more than I would yeah. like. And also, Rick Perry is very kind about Islam, some stupid reason. But one thing he did say in the, in the debates, which was probably the best thing that anyone said there, if you recall, remember? Yes. Can you repeat it? Yeah. It, it was 
He was excellent. Yeah, Perry said that if he became president, he promised to make the federal government as inconsequential in your life as possible. That's one of the best lines that, that a guy can deliver, whether he means it, I don't know. But um, it's a great line if someone could live up to that. Well, and there were, you, you know someone could actually there, try their best. There were inconsistent things that he of course. said and, and did and in he, his and career. And he stunk in the, in the debates. He did. He was, he was lousy. But, yeah, did um, what was it? People asked him what what agencies he'd abolish, yeah, and he couldn't and he could, think of them. <laughs> the ones that he said he would abolish, and other things also just really vacant. Uh, you know, I, I, I mean, plus he has a weird like in, his shirt up to his jaw. In he, general, his collars go up to his jaw if, over his neck. If if people him if if Ted Cruz if they would promise not to push. Yeah. The gay issue, the abortion issue, yeah. just leave that stuff alone. They're fifty billion times better than Obama. Of course, fifty billion. Well, they already are. To some, I mean, they already are. I mean, I got to give them. That's that. an arbitrary number, but they're, right, right around fifty are. billion. You know, and 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 I I tweeted something the other day about about uh, the issue of uh, God and abortion and gay marriage and and the idea that if those things are crucial to you, uh, I present John Boehner. You know, he's for and against all those things. I mean, he is locked into that, and he's a, the worst possible speaker at the worst possible time the worst why he as the speaker of the house could not help this amendment get through i don't know yeah i i figure he has some i mean again everyone's the most powerful republican in washington the the amendment i'm talking about again is the amendment that would kill the nsa surveillance program under which the nsa demanded and got all of our metadata from Verizon. If you are a Verizon customer, your telephone metadata, which means the time, the date, the numbers you dialed, Where, who, the what? numbers that you texted. And they can they can really g- gain a lot of information from that. Yeah. The times, where, what, how, if, when. If you're on a plan that the length of your texts and how many texts you have is important, probably the length of your texts would come into play in this metadata. Anything, basically, that they're collecting for billing purposes would be handed over to the NSA to be part of a huge database. No probable cause, no particular suspicion. It seems like anybody who is an American who believed, and, you know, I'm, I'm just, Rand Paul could give this speech way better than I could, right? He's given it time and again. But the founding fathers were against indiscriminate searches where the soldiers would go from house it's to house to house and just look in this house, look in that house without any probable cause, without any particular suspicion. And this is in ways more invasive. Yeah. All of your private phone calls, who you're calling, when you're calling them, how long the phone calls are, where you are, the GPS location of where you are when you're calling could be part of that metadata as well. And, P- and our government fought to keep this alive. They fought to keep us alive, and she desperately so. Two hundred seventeen unbelievable. people. Two hundred seventeen people in our House of Representatives. So, and they might as be I the, as I said before, I urge all of you to look up. Yes. Look up your congressman. You know Democrats and voted see for. how your congressman. You know voted. Democrats voted for. You know that, but then which Republicans and why? You know why? Probably for "quote unquote" national security. But see, not all not all Democrats even okay, yeah, right, voted right, right, against right. the actually, amendment. Actually, some some someone put it also. Yeah. So. I'll, Ed, Ed was, was surprised the, that his Democrats. I was about the recent votes where mm-hmm. all Democrats vote for a certain way, and then you got some Republicans who you know get off on it. No. But um, yeah, but certainly some um, 
you know, some Republicans did vote against this, and it would be very good for all of us to know who was yes. who and how they came out, and, and they, to I, I, and to put some pressure on these people. Them. Say why the hell did you do that? Explain. Do not. Yourself. I mean, any. Think about this. Think about Snowden. Think about Snowden. Think about a person who has put his life basically on the line, who is faced right now with a choice between trusting Putin, if he can even get Putin to give him what he wants, versus trusting Holder. Trusting the the vampire or the werewolf? I mean, which one? Which one? Yeah. So here's this person. He, I take him at his word, did what he did so that American people would know about these programs and presumably do something to stop it. And we can't even get a majority of a Republican-controlled House to pass this. And a bunch of Democrats who said they were against such programs to be consistent and vote the way they were supposed to. They, it, it is, it they is had an the, opportunity to protest it. They had an opportunity to protest it and didn't. They said, we're good with this. This is, this is unbelievable. And our cultural leaders. I'm talking to you, Greg Gutfeld, and Lousy. other... Uh, I like Greg, but he has similarly not, disappointing he has commentators. Not things John there. Bolton. Oh, no, no problem with these you know programs, what, it, right? I don't know what it is. It's it, it, it's the I don't know what it is. It's the lawyers. It's the government officials. It's politicians. They're all for this. And and also, it's interesting to hear uh, Holder call Snowden a traitor. Same thing that Bolton did, and the same thing that Cheney did. They're government hacks in that in that sense. Government hacks, and they all agree. And you got a question? I say you agree with Eric Holder. Think about that. Just think think that through. So my my point really here is let's not let what Snowden did go to waste. Yeah. Go ahead and let your representative know that you know how he or she voted and whether you're pleased or displeased about it, that you actually care about these issues because I'm hoping this is not going to be the last that we see about stuff like this. And, I, you know, the, I hate the idea that Snowden would have to come back and face trial in order to keep this issue alive. But I'm starting to wonder whether that is what he would have to do. It's it's really a, a sad thing. So uh, I want to go back and watch the Steve Jobs trailer again. Can we do that? I would love to just watch. But then I would just get sad that he's not here because I think if, if Jobs was here right now, can you imagine the speeches he could yeah. give yeah. about the NSA, the intrusive NSA programs? Jobs was, uh, he was good on these type of things. He, he definitely was. He was pretty explicit about it too in terms of privacy, in terms of uh, freedom. He was. He, even though I guess he had to, in, in, in his own mind, he, had to, he couldn't be quite, uh, I don't know. I mean, he couldn't be couldn't be what? Considered a tea party. He would never want that. You know what I mean? No way, no way. No. But uh, he, 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 he might be what you call a left libertarian-ish type. Classical liberal, not really. No. I'd say I'd say a left-leaning libertarian-ish. And, and right now with his uh, Tim Cooked, who's yeah. in charge of Apple, he's, I think, a leftist hack. So, yeah, the, the story that I was alluding to when I had State Defiance on the phone, thanks again for calling in. Ed Paul says Apple wouldn't have caved to prison if Giles was, there, was here. I believe that. Yes, I true. believe that, too. And I, I, and I that, mean, he would have fought on principle. Yeah, and Ed, I think I, I was on record saying that yeah. in the show, that I thought that Apple would not have done it if Jobs was around. Um, the story that I was alluding to when State Defiance called up was Holder. 
Holder targets Texas in a new voting rights push. It's a story from the Wall Street Journal. The Obama administration has apparently moved to retain some oversight of the way that states conduct elections. Constitution, as far as I know, leaves it to the states to decide how to conduct elections. There is a division of responsibility in the Constitution itself. You mean it's not up to Eric Holder? Yeah, I mean... In the, in the Obama America? I mean, hey, just trust us, you know? That's it. Yeah, we got those drones, you know? Oh. Um, you know, don't don't be too worried about whether it's constitutional or not constitutional for somebody to conduct a drone strike on an American on American soil when there's no imminent threat. You know, eh, we promise not to use it against Snowden. That's right. No problem. Um, yeah. How good are how how good are used car salesmen looking these days compared to <laughs> Holder and Obama and So, uh the legal strategy announced on Thursday, yesterday, directed initially at Texas voting procedures. Gee, I wonder why. Why would you start with Texas? I can't That's imagine. No, they know. They know if they get Texas, it's over for us. And then look at the next one. Look at the next one. Look at the next state in this news story. This is unbelievable, okay? This is truly disgusting how specifically it's targeted. If you remember on this show, I was – and this is actually, this is not on this show. This is when I was talking to C. Bradley Thompson Mm -hmm. with Tammy Bruce – excuse me, on the Tammy Bruce show. And I was joking with Brad Thompson about – South Carolina. He's in South Carolina. And I said, South Carolina and Texas are vying for basically the least invasive government title. The next state on the list of Justice Department scrutiny targets is South Carolina. I mean, think about that. This is naked. It's like some dictator in in some country, an area is not controlled by them yet, and they're going after them. I mean, this, this is what it is. Okay, what's the most free, what's the most out of our control, out of our power? Okay, get them. Get after them. Flip them. This is it. This is, this is, these guys are evil. I mean, we know that just because they keep reminding us. They're evil. And they're trying to destroy good things. <laughs> you know what I mean? And if they flip Texas, the country will suffer more, more so. And, just, and that's their goal, yeah. apparently. I mean, that's what they're doing. They are targeting any state that is doing well. They uh, targeted uh, Detroit. You know, Detroit used to be an actual healthy, healthy area, and whether it's a state or a city, they just go after them. I mean, it's just—it's unbelievable. The action in Texas, Mr. Holder said, "quote will not be our last." And then, as I said, next target is South Carolina. Okay. I am—I am hoping that State Defiance, who just called a little bit ago, is right in predicting that the attorney general in Texas is not going to let them get away with this and is going to stave this off so that some of the cultural education that they're trying to do in Texas, which is done by Chuck DeVore, Rick Perry, other leaders there, I'm hoping that that's going to have some influence. When I say that we don't have an attorney general, we don't have a president today, do you know what I mean? No, there's a vacuum there. I mean, there's with there, bad guys took over. I mean, it's just it's there. There, he's an anti-president. He's an anti-justice department head. I mean, these guys. It's like I don't know. It's like in Spider-Man right now in the comics. If anyone's aware, Doctor Octopus took over Peter Parker's uh, body. He's in control now. That's it. And that's the way I see the country being run right now. Some bad guys, some anti-Americans took over the country and want to really poison it to the point where when they're gone, it's still it's it's still poisoned. It's it's still destroyed. 
Yes, definitely. Stephen in the chat room says we can rename Obama and Holder the yeah. Destroyers. And that's yeah. That's what they are. They are. They are. They hate the country. They hate its founding. They want to make sure we can never return to the founding ever. I would want to move to Texas and be part of the fight, except I don't know if I could stand living in that weather. <laughs> it's, have, it's really tough. I hear about the weather. I mean, I can almost feel it just by talking about it. No, because um, I, back east, I, I remember uh, the... You've had a taste of some of what it's like. 103 degrees, yeah, 105 yeah. degrees humidity. It is, it's really unbearable. And just imagine a lot more of that but in then, certain parts of the But then the winters also, the winters are, you know, ex- exceedingly cold. But uh, then that's not usually no, true in Texas. That's no. not usually true. Back east, New Jersey, New York, yeah. But I lived in Austin for a while. Thought it was a fun town. Wouldn't necessarily mind being there at certain times of the year for sure. I I hope that they can hold out. I mean, I think maybe one of the things to do is to support uh, the educational campaign. Maybe what Chuck DeVore's doing down there. Right. I mean, no, no doubt could offer some something. Uh, Robert says, in addition to a Holder and Obama, Pelosi, Reed, true. And uh, I have this one drawing. It's called Surrounded. It's basically in the center is an American. On the right are jihadists. On the left is Pelosi, Reed, <clears throat> and Obama. We are surrounded these days, you know, internally, enemies within and without. This is depressing. Let's stop it. Uh, Ed, Ed is the, calling the Wolverine. The yeah, Wolverine. The Wolverine. Hugh Jackman was great. <laughs> Probably the best portrayal, you know, yet because he's played him six times now. The character Hugh Jackman played Wolverine the sixth time. Unbelievable. I, I, I explained it for some of the next movie. He was great. Um, good stuff. Good moments. Surprises. A few surprises. Like whoa, they actually did that. Uh, great movie. No. Uh, good. Yeah. Uh, if you want to watch, I probably won't watch it again. Maybe Blu-ray. But he was excellent. He was great. And it, it, he makes it worthwhile. Even the last Wolverine movie, he he still made it worthwhile. It wasn't a good movie at all. Let me ask but, you if you agree with Alex Epstein on this particular comment. Do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? He said that he will always pay to see Hugh Jackman in a movie yeah. simply because, even if it's a bad movie, yeah. oh, and Hugh Jackman as Wolverine no, specifically, excellent. because it gives him at least a month's worth of motivation to work out and eat properly. Uh, he is... Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's in incredible shape. He's in his 40s now. Incredible shape. In this one, he might have been, I don't know. I mean, maybe the best, maybe. Maybe he was, I'm not sure. But he was great. And he, it's it's interesting. In the 1983, I think it was uh, the Wolverine graphic novel with Chris Claremont that Frank Miller drew, Hugh Jackman resembles that particular Wolverine big time. Uh, you might not, it might not be obvious, but I, I, you look at Hugh Jackman sometimes and a younger Clint Eastwood, there's a real resemblance there. There, hmm. there really is. Okay. And uh, Miller based his Wolverine on Clint Eastwood. And you look at him now, so I just say he could, I mean, and this was based uh, somewhat on Miller's uh, story with uh, Chris Claremont. And uh, he looked apart. He was great. And a little more a little more profane than usual Wolverine, which for the character makes sense. It definitely does. Maybe not my cup of tea. But... And also this idea... It, Spoiler, 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 spoiler. No, 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 don't give a spoiler. No, no, not for this movie, but for Superman. Oh. If, if you haven't seen Superman now, you really probably won't watch it, but Superman kills in Man of Steel. And uh, that's why I make a joke. I said Wolverine, you know, spoiler, Wolverine kills. No, Wolverine kills as a way of life. I mean, this this way it does. I mean, every, every... every you mean a superhero that's allowed to kill people? Yeah. Wow. And, he, you know, he's, uh, he kills them. I okay. mean, viciously. With his claws. I and mean, what else is he do with those claws? I mean, I don't know. 
you know, what what can you do with them? With, with them? Okay, so that, that was not an entirely disgusting thing <laughs> to talk about. So that is good. We got a little bit out of the funk. And now let's, let's, let, let's talk about something that's a little bit funky on the road to something that's more hopeful, which is government shutdown looms over Obamacare. This is a story that I posted at the Don't Let It Go Unheard page on Facebook earlier this week. It is basically right now that they're going to have an opportunity to block any government funding resolution that includes money for the implementation of Obamacare, otherwise known as the <coughs> Affordable Care Act. Affordable, affordable. yeah, affordable my ass. Affordable. <clears throat> affordable in a china shop. That's about what it is. Well, affordable, you know. I know, <laughs> okay. but I'm talking about a bull at a china shop now. It's, it's that destructive. That's that's what we'll call that. Anyway, this is a uh, news story from The Hill. You can find the link at the don'tletitgo.com site. Basically, they're just saying that this is an opportunity, that they've got people in both the Senate and the House that could work together procedurally to get this done, to defund Obamacare. And in fact, you may have seen Ted Cruz running around Facebook with links to his particular campaign. He has a campaign to defund Obamacare. I also put the link to that on uh, don'tletitgo.com, so you can find that in my program notes there. The thing about the program... Is a little more efficacious than the Cantor and the other guys? Maybe. I don't know. So what you do is you put your name in there and your zip code. I guess that puts your name on a huge giant position, you know, uh, excuse me, petition. So you become what's called a co-sponsor. But once you hit the little co-sponsor link, then they go and ask you for money. So I don't know if, if it's just a plug for money or not. I still applaud anybody who goes out there and says, hey, if you really don't like Obamacare, let's defund it. That is the one thing we could do right now. Yeah. We can't repeal exactly. it right now. Yep. We could defund it right now. And uh, Boehner uh, has the power of the purse, and he does not use it. And uh, Mark Levin made a, a comment the other day that he thinks that Boehner has been making deals with Obama behind the scenes, not putting a special prosecutor for the Benghazi, making a deal to keep Obamacare alive. I wouldn't put it past him. He's a rat. He's, an, he just, uh, he's a snake, Boehner, and he's got to get kicked out. If I could have predicted all of this, when we, you know, years ago we met Boehner, I think I would have thrown up on him or yeah. something. I don't know. I just, it's so, so disgusting Ugh. that somebody who has the most power in the entire house yeah. cannot get these things done. He's impotent. He's impotent. Or and, won't get and, these things no, done. No, won't. And, and, you know, I just get angry. I, I still get angry, no doubt. But what do you expect from him? I expect nothing from him. I never did. But he's not doing his job. In other words, he's not defending us. He's not protecting us against Obama. Protect the the country, the American people. He's not. Stephen in the chat room says the founders knew this might happen. So what we do is follow the Constitution, defund the government completely, with the exception of the essential services and the military. That would be an sure. excellent thing. But now, yeah, so if we far. if we had your own Brook here, he might add a few more things because you can't just completely shut down in, in one day for, forever and ever. You have to transition in, in out of it. Of but action, yeah, in let's, terms let's of individual action, in terms of Americans doing something, you know, uh, Mark Levin is answering it in his new book. Uh, it's basically about it's it's called the Liberty Amendments, restoring the country, D restoring the Constitution. I forgot the subtitle. Sorry. But he was he, he kept being asked, you know, he, people kept asking, what can we do, Mark? What can we do? What can we do? And I think he has a pretty good idea, whether you fully agree with it or not. I, I think it's a good start about amending 
about basically saying we can through through the constitution we can return it back. All we, I all I know though, right, is that because of the high uh burden that you have to meet in order to pass a constitutional amendment. Yeah. Think about the fact that this little amendment to a piece of legislation that would have cut yeah. off that horribly invasive NSA program could, program could not pass. Right. Could not right. pass the and imagine, House. imagine also... I, it, I think the prospect for those amendments before the education... Would politicians vote yeah. against their power? A lot of them absolutely won't. That's why they're in Washington. Because yeah. they're impotent. That's why they, they go there. Uh, the book is called The Liberty Amendments. The Liberty Amendments. That's the actual title. The subtitle, I'm not 100% sure. And it'll be out August 13th. And I'm very excited. And Mark Levin seems very excited as well. Again, he's he's a conservative. We disagree on a, a few issues, but overall, he's hands down the best talk show mm-hmm. out there, outside of Amy. <laughs> anyway, go on. He, he's a much more seasoned talk show host than I am. A decade. But, and and he, I really do like his uh, method of delivery and a lot he's of his excellent. analysis. So that's crazy. I hope to have him on the show and interview him about that book. I yeah. would love to give him the interview of his life about that book. Yes. But. One thing I would like to talk to him about, especially, like I said, given the news of this week, that our House cannot even pass that wimpy amendment. Yep. I mean, it's not even a wimpy amendment. It is a, oh, it is, is an amendment that makes you go, duh. Yes. That's yes. what it is. Yes. It's an amendment that makes you go, duh. And our House cannot even pass it. How are we going to... And, and how, 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 how are they, how, But how are they going to get those... Amendments to the Constitution. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. To pass by those huge majorities that they need to, I mean, according to the procedure. The fact is, we have rat bastards in Washington. Left, right, they're rats. A lot of them. They love where we are. They love this dirty, filthy government. They like it as it is, and they don't want to change it. We got to get some good, some good people out. And again, next midterms have to clean house. It's not about even getting, you know, uh, some more Republicans. No, it's about getting Tea Partiers in there into the leadership. Knocking out Boehner, and Cantor, some, but, but McCarthy, some the, McConnell. Some of, the, some of the Tea Parties are, are you know, yeah. they're not even the Yes, so I tell, know that. Tell but, me about the one you, t- you said this well, week. Well, it was Kelly, uh, Kelly Iote. Iote, uh, you know, Rubio. I mean, they're. What, what did they do this week? What well, was, well, what was it? What was it? It was uh, a, a terrible it vote was a that terrible they made. Vote. A terrible vote that they made. I don't know what it Try was. Try to think about it ah. and let me let me know because they're coming so fast and so so strong. I forgot about it, but they they have some quote unquote Tea Party have proven themselves a big government hacks. And they're using Tea Party to get power. And they've got to be detected early on now. And that's the thing. Tea Party's got to be very, very careful now who they vote for. They've got to really recognize it. Challenge them. Challenge them when they're, when they're running. But again, you've got to get Boehner out. You've got to get McConnell out. You've got to get Kandrick. You've got to get McCarthy out. You've got to get them out or else it's over. That's, and I don't, I don't care if you've got 100 Tea Party guys, good guys. If the, if the leadership stinks, what? They, they won't let them do anything. No. For some reason, this leadership has been just thwarting progress. And this is why I flip back to the long-term prospect, the education, the culture. And we go back to the things that we said in the first hour, which were the positive cultural signs that we've seen. I saw a bunch of people at a concert at Pink Martini. Their next album is called Get Happy. These people believe that they are entitled to an evening of enjoyment and happiness in Los Angeles today. We see the Wall Street Journal saying altruism maybe isn't all it's cracked up to be. We see Bono saying, hey, maybe capitalism's not so bad after all. All these things a are... A little more favorable, actually. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. well, more favorable than yeah. that. But the point is is that all of this is a start. The trend is in a positive direction in the culture. Poli- thing, politicians, politicians be damned. Yes, one thing also, uh, Levin is cognizant of the fact that Washington will not fix itself. He knows that. He knows the answers are not in Washington. 
it's coming from outside of Washington, forcing these guys to be to do their job, basically, forcing them to do their job, challenging them at every point, constitutionally. I mean, without a, a bloody revolution. I look, I look forward to reading his book. I look forward to seeing how practically the amendments could get yeah. through any time soon. That's really what I want to know. And uh, he's using the Constitution also, Article Five, to basically fight this. Now, now look at this over here at don'tletitgo.com. I had all my program notes, and we still have wow. two more okay. that I haven't gotten to. Quick, and you know what? It's about Obama, so Ed will be very happy if I hadn't gotten to them. Just one quick, of them. Just, just, yeah. Well, yeah, one of them is: Are the media actually buying into Obama's claim about the scandals being phony? Yep. At three different speeches yep. this week, he said the scandals are just phony and that they're the big a distraction. Lie. The big lie. So you you can check that out at don'tletitgo.com. The other thing you can check out there is a story I think you should look at. At one of the speeches in Missouri, the college Republicans were denied admittance. They were yep. not allowed to come in. If you're wearing a Tea Party shirt, yep. something patriotic, anything that smelled Republican, they did not let you in. Why? Because they deemed you to be a security threat. That's censorship. That's the government right there. This is the scandal that he said is phony. This <laughs> one of the. The, the same type of targeting. Anyway, we've got a minute left. I've got to go now. If you want to keep in touch with me during the week, go ahead and follow me on Twitter, Amy Peekoff. Join the Don't Let It Go on Herd page on Facebook. But if you want to comment on the show, you want to subscribe to my blog, you perhaps even want to contribute to the show and, and see it continue on the air, go to don'tletitgo.com. And you can comment on today's show. You can check out the program notes. And as I said, if you want, leave a contribution. The most important thing, though, that you can do to help this show is share it. Spread the word about it because it really is spreading largely by word of mouth. And my mouth is only so big. Thank you very much. You guys have a good weekend thanks, and a week. And we will talk to you next week. Again, thanks again for Bosch Faustin thanks. for joining me here in studio. And talk to you in a week. Bye-bye.